the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. So welcome to the Instructor Podcast, where every week we're talking to experts, innovators, leaders and game changers, and looking at ways we can improve our health, self and wealth. As always, I'm your host, Terry Cook of the Instructor Podcast, and it's great that you've joined us. First of all, I'd like to say go check out our new website, theinstructorpodcast.com. Over there, I'm slowly building up the guest profiles of everyone that's been on, so you can go and find your favorite guests and get all the links to them and find out more about them. On top of that, I've got a recommendations page where every few weeks I'm going to be adding something new to what the Instructor Podcast actually recommends. You can check out all the previous episodes. I'm going to spotlight specific episodes every month, ones I think are important for some reason. And then as well as that, I'm going to be doing a blog, hopefully weekly, except I accidentally deleted the first one. I can't seem to get it back up. So that's a good start. But either way, theinstructorpodcast.com, go check that out. But on to today's show, I am joined by the magnificent Emma Meller, who has come to talk about well-being, but not just well-being, well-being without the wank. Basically telling you how to do it in a, in a more appropriate way, a less woo-woo way. And it's a great conversation. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. But before you dive into it, I just want to give a slight trigger warning. Because at the start of this episode, Emma goes into some of her, a little bit about her past and some of the trauma that she's been through. So if you are someone that's particularly sensitive to someone that's maybe talking about abusive relationships, maybe give this episode a miss or at least skip by the first five minutes or so. You can still get a lot from the rest of it. But just putting that little trigger warning out there. But if you're happy to continue, let's make a start on the show. So welcome to the Instructor Podcast, where every week I'm joined by experts, leaders, innovators, or even game changers. And today I am joined by the wonderful Emma Meller. How are we, Emma? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good. It's great to have you on board. It's someone I've wanted on for a little while, because this season I've, I've been doing a lot around mindset and attitude and and, um, and well-being, oddly enough, which I've spotted recently you brought a new book out, and I thought, right, well, now's the time to get you in then, so we can talk about that. So speaking of your new book, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what you actually do? Yeah, I, um, I'm a single mum to five children, so it's impossible for me to have a normal job. Um, I've been self-employed for oh, about 10 years um, because when I ha- was pregnant with my third child, my employer decided that they didn't want me to go back because the cost of maternity allowance was going to be too much to the business. So I had to go self-employed to be able to earn some money. Um, and I have bounced around doing a number of things I actually bounced around many jobs from the time I left school to, to until this point and I kind of settled on doing the whole mindfulness meditation breath work because I'd had a lot of trauma in my life I um my mum was really great at getting into abusive relationships we spent some time in a refuge as children Um, And what happened with that is I learned how to emulate that. I didn't do a very good job of escaping it. In my mind, I thought that, right, I'm not going to have that for for my life as I'm older. I'm not going to have that for my children. But what I ended up doing was actually picking 
the kind the same kind of partners and I myself ended up in abusive relationships and when I finally left my last relationship um, when my youngest child was six months old I was very broken I had severe anxiety depression um, I was a bit of a shadow of a human really and I had to have a lot of help from outside sources to get me back to where I am now to be able to function in any kind of way and one of the things that I picked up I've had counselling I've had hypnotherapy and one of the things I started practicing was mindfulness and meditation and it's one thing that I find really does help me I'm not without my problems. I still have bouts of anxiety every now and then. I I am still at times triggered by PTSD because of things that have happened to me in the past. Um, But I do find that practicing mindfulness and meditation is a massive help to me. Um, And it just helps, just keeps keeps me on track, stops me from going into too much of a spiral. As long as I keep practicing it, if I let it all drop, then everything goes to shit. (laughs) I mean, I really appreciate that honesty. Have you always been kind of that open about that or is that something that you were withdrawn about and you feel that you're more, lack of a better word, comfortable talking about now that you've embraced the mindfulness side of it? Um, The further away I am from it, the more I'm able to talk about it. It was very difficult to talk about when I first left because it was so close it was, you know, it was a real, it was a very traumatic thing and talking about it really stressed me. Um, but the further away I've got, the more I've practiced mindfulness and meditation, being in the moment and not dwelling so much on the past, the easier it is to talk about. And, you know, one of my relationships, um, I was raped repeatedly, not in a, not in the way that you expect, that, that, that is kind of portrayed where you know you're pinned down and it's all angry my partner would um he'd want to have sex and I wouldn't feel like it so he'd wait for me to go to sleep even though I'd said no I don't feel like it and once I was asleep he'd start having sex with me um it was and and for a long time I thought that I deserved it and it was my fault and that I was a terrible person because that happened to me and I was somehow a wasn't giving him what he wanted and it was my fault um and I couldn't talk about that for a long time because I was ashamed but now I know that the more I've learned after going I went on this thing called the freedom program that that teaches you all about the dominator and it teaches you all of the things all of the things that the narcissistic people do people who are abusive um, with that kind of personality, it take, take, teaches you all of the different aspects of the personality. And it's not just one thing. There's lots of different things they do. And um, sexual coercion is one of them. One of the things I've, there's, fi- you know, financial abuse. They find all sorts of different ways to convince you that you're the bad person and they're the good person and that you've got to follow their rules. Um, and it's taken time to realise that it wasn't really my fault. I just didn't know about that side of things. It's it. Maybe this is the wrong word, but I think that I I didn't know that. You know, 
that's the first I'm hearing that, obviously. <laughs> anyway, um, and I think for you to be where you are now and doing what you're doing now, to come from that, to me, is just impressive because I always I look at my background and I've largely never had anything go wrong in my life. You know, and that doesn't mean I've had a perfect life, you know, I've had sort of financial troubles or whatever, but it's like nothing disastrous has ever happened. And but I'm where I am now, and I feel like I'm where I am now without those problems. So I think, you know, speaking to someone like yourself that's had these struggles is now doing this awesome stuff is is massive. And I'm just tying it into that a little bit with the, the well-being side of it that you're you're focusing on now and the mindfulness. How much so almost which came first, the chicken of the egg? Was it the mindfulness that helped you move on or was it moving on that brought you to the mindfulness or was it kind of a bit of both? It was a bit of both. And having counselling and hypnotherapy were a big help um, in coming to terms with what had happened and making a shift in my subconscious, you know, unpacking some of the shit that had been pushed down and stored away. Um but learning to be mindful and to live in the now to keep myself present um, really helps. I mean, I'm not wonderful all the time. I've had a lot of issues in the last few months with um, some PTSD because one of the, uh, the, the father of my children has decided to ramp up his abuse that's the trouble with having children with them that you still have some kind of contact and sometimes they will try and suck you back into that cycle of abuse and we've had a bit of a to-do over the last couple of months with him trying to reassert his authority and make sure that I'm following his rules and it has triggered a little bit of PTSD so that's something that I've have I've been having to work really hard on um, so that it's not adversely affecting me um but having done all of the practice for the last four years of meditation and mindfulness it's easier for me now to pull myself back into the present than than be constantly bombarded and attacked by all of the thoughts and the worries and the anxiety that that come to the surface when when the PTSD surfaces yeah I think we're we're Facebook friends. We uh, we've not had a massive amount of each other, but we've had some interaction in the past. And I think that seeing you online, you, um, I think it's almost how can I phrase this? It, it's that Facebook profile. You know, you have that profile now and again. You, you know, you'll 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 throw out um, a deep post and and uh, you know one that's a bit more brutal and a bit honest, if you like. But it, it's that Facebook profile that goes out there so listening to you say that it's, it's, it's just really interesting because you don't give out that vibe you've always got this really positive outlook or as this is how it appears i'm saying you've got this this positive outlook and obviously a, a you know a very interesting and uh, sense of humor that goes along with it but do you find that is something you you do consciously or is that something that just is the way you are it is definitely the way I am. When I'm struggling, I don't tend to tell many people. I'm very much a get on with it, try and get through it. There's probably one or two people who are very close to me that know when I'm really struggling. I always keep myself present and and um, active on Facebook because I've learned that consistency is absolute king with regards to building your business, building your audience. Um 
And even if I'm struggling, I've still got a sense of humour. My sense of humour is absolutely dark and, and it's also really disgusting. Um, and and I, for me, I find that sometimes just posting something helps lift my own mood because it makes me laugh. And then when I see other people laughing, it kind of helps me as well because I'm making other people laugh. So it does make me feel better about myself. That is, I mean, it is very dangerous relying on that because sometimes, you know, Facebook doesn't give you the, the, the views that you, that you want, but I don't dwell on it. If I post something, I post it just because it's popped to my mind and I think, oh, that's really funny. I'm going to share it or, you know, I've not shared anything today. What can I write? And something always appears like today I went to, I went to the supermarket specifically to buy lemons and limes for my water because I only drink water all day that that's part of my self-care I know that if I drink a minimum of three liters of water I feel infinitely better than if I don't drink any at all and um, I've discovered that I really like my water with slices of lemon and lime in it and uh, I put my last in this morning so I was like right I'll go and get some lemons and limes and I'll buy in some stuff to keep me going for the weekend because the children aren't here and I got home and I had all the things except the lemons and limes. <laughs> so I was like, I went all the way to the supermarket and came back with the one thing that I really, really wanted. And lots of people related to that because we all do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I kind of want to bring this back to the, the sort of the well-being mindfulness side, but I, just before we do, I'm going to say that you genuinely made me laugh out loud today because I went on uh, and you'd, you'd obviously booked a, a slot with me to come on and do this and you in the section to write in your bio. And I'm just going to recite one thing you put because it genuinely made me laugh out loud. A keen advocate of self-love, I'll happily discuss why wanking for well-being is totally okay, but being wanky about well-being is not. I've not heard <laughs> it phrased that way before because I know kind of your tagline is well-being without the wank. Um, so I just wonder if you could spend a moment just giving us your definition or your take on what well-being is and sort of the idea behind well-being without the wank well for for me well-being is about being physically and mentally well looking after yourself putting yourself first and looking after number one because if you don't look after yourself how can you service other people um it can be very difficult if you're a parent or if you've got a busy job. Um, and and I, I completely understand, you know, I don't get a lot of time away from my children. And I know that there are times when I really struggle to factor in time. But for me, it's about making sure that you are putting your well-being first, because if you don't, then there's no way that you can function. Um, when I first started learning about meditation there was a lot of very woo-woo stuff lots of very very spiritual kind of people that would talk about surfing to a higher plane and getting in contact with the chakras and all the stuff about crystals and I find that really fucking scary you know there's like and and there are people that say that you (laughs) that meditation doesn't count if you're not meditating for at least 50 minutes at a time and well fuck that who who, (laughs) how many people have got 50 minutes every day to meditate some people have a lot of people don't and it's about bringing it to a level where isn't where it isn't so scary for people 
Um, I, I did post a question um, in one of the groups that I'm active in and I asked, what is self-love to you? No, no judgment. I just wanted to know how everybody else thought about self-love. And obviously, for some people, it's a spa day. For some people, it's sitting down and having a cup of tea on their own in silence with no interruption. Um, it could be having your nails done, having your hair done, going for a beard trim. It could be all of those kind of things that feel like you're being pampered. Or it could be sitting and meditating for five minutes. It could be sitting and meditating for an entire day. It is entirely up to you. But there was one person that commented that, oh, none of this superficial nonsense of getting your hair done and going for a spa day. It's about, and it was like it was a proper wanky woo-woo kind of response of self-care or self-love doesn't count unless you're meditating for more than 50 minutes and Con, you know getting in contact with your chakras and surfing to a higher plane and speaking to the universe well no fuck that it's not that's not for everybody meditation and mindfulness is about teaching yourself to be present in the very moment that you are in not thinking about 10 minutes time or 10 years time not thinking about 10 minutes ago or 10 years ago just being in the now and training your brain not to go off on tangents and set you into a worried frenzy of, oh shit, I've only got five followers on Facebook. How am I ever growing, going to grow my business? Well, you've got five followers, it will grow. Um, I have to say, I've had quite a few people on this season uh, around about the same mindset and mindfulness and that kind of stuff. And, and us driving instructors are quite a straight-laced bunch at times. And I think the way you've just described it is a way that's going to sit in with most of us quite nicely. Um, but I want to touch back on, you've spoke there about what is self-love. Um, so I think before I open up, I'd just be interested to know, what, what's your idea of self-love? What works for you? For me, it's just simply taking care of your needs, knowing what it is that fulfills you, knowing what it is that makes you feel safe, knowing what it is that makes you feel fulfilled. And it can be anything. It doesn't, it could be as simple as sitting on the sofa and having time with your family. It could be having a fucking spa day. It could be having a spa week. It can be sitting and meditating for five minutes. It can be anything, but it's knowing yourself well enough to know how you need to take care of yourself. That's self-love for do me. Do you find that like for you that it changes almost from day to day to what you need on each day? Definitely. But earlier in the week, because I lost my mum earlier this year, she was the one person that I could rely on to always be there. We had a chat every other day on the phone. We saw each other at least one day every week. And it's been a massive gap in my life since she went. And um, this week, the grief has really hit me hard. And it was just, I drove past the, the car that took her away from her home um, and transferred her to the to the mortuary. And um, it just set off this real sadness in me because there were so many things that, you know, we had planned so many things that we thought that we would do before she died. She'd just gone through six months of cancer treatment and cancer therapy and was thinking of going back to work and she just passed away. Um, and 
all of this week, I've had to really listen to myself and allow myself to feel whatever I'm feeling and just let my thoughts and feelings do what they need to. So I've allowed myself that time. I've given myself the permission and I've loved myself enough to know that, yeah, it feels shit this week, but it's going to get better. So, I mean, like you've said there, you've, you give yourself permission. I think that's a brilliant phrase because that's something that, that I struggle with. I'm sure a lot of people struggle with where you, you feel like, for example, this week, um, I, w- I had a day where I was struggling and I knocked a couple of lessons on Ed and I kept come home early. And the idea was I'll come home early. And I'm just going to sit. And like you said, I, I could tell what I needed. It was not to do much. I didn't know what I needed to do, but I couldn't engage my brain. But then as soon as I'd stopped, the guilt kicked in. That guilt of, right, well, you've let students down. You know, you're almost letting my family down because now I'm not earning money. You know, there's that side of it. So I suppose a a double-barrel question there in that, is that something you'd experienced? And how or what advice would you give to people getting over that? Because I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking that. We all beat ourselves up. We always think, you know, we're letting so-and-so down, we're letting so-and-so down. One thing you have to consider as well is, if you don't do what you need to do, you're letting yourself down. And by letting yourself down, you're letting everybody else down around you because you really do need to make sure you're putting yourself first. If you'd have done those lessons, would you have been on your top film? Would you have come away from those lessons thinking, yeah, I served those people well today? Probably not. So you will have a better lesson with them next time you have a lesson, knowing that you've given yourself the time to just do what you need to do. Yeah. And on that same vein, because again, this is something I've struggled with for years. Um, you, you spoke about knowing what you need and find out what, what you need. I've always struggled to find what makes me happy and what, what settles me down. So for example, I, I tried Lego and that, that works that day, but then I'm bored of it. And it's like, I need someone else. And I think I struggle to find anything that I can fall back on consistently or regularly. So anyone that's struggling to, to find what they enjoy or to find what they need to relax or to, um, to indulge in that self-love, how would you suggest that we go about doing that? It's, it's experimentation. I mean, meditation and mindfulness are part of mine, but the, the, the major, the most important thing for me is exercise. And it's not just the exercise. Exercise does make me feel good. It makes me feel, you know, it makes me fitter. Um, Exercise for me is also a very important part of my mindfulness because when I'm performing any kind of exercise, I'm very much in that moment focusing on what I'm doing. But it's also seeing people. I see it's the opportunity for me to see other adults. And it's taken lots of trial and error trying different things um meditation for me took a long time to get into I tried all sorts of different um what are they called kinds of different recordings different um apps and and every day is different and I've realized that on one day I can meditate I'm better at meditating without any kind of um app or person talking in the background for me meditation is easier if I'm focusing on my breathing so I will do breath work calm breath work but another day I might find that actually I need some guidance to help release some stress or help release emotion so then I'll go on to um, YouTube or one of the free apps that I've got and I'll type in 
um, stress release meditation. And then I might listen to the first minute or two of a few of them before I think, because voices get on my nerves, different voices get on my nerves. Um, so I have to trial and error with the different voices and the different recordings. Nothing is ever straightforward. It is very much a case of giving yourself time, giving yourself permission to try something and being okay if you don't like it. Yeah. And you mentioned sort of meditation quite a bit. I think a lot of people are, they're either scared of it or they see it as, as you know, you mentioned before about the big woo-woo thing where you've got to sit there with your legs crossed on a, like on a little table with your hands on your knees going, um, giving it all that. And it isn't, you know, I'm by no means am I an expert in meditation, but I've been doing it for quite a while now in, you know, not 50 minutes a day, you know, but been doing it. I think I did actually do an hour once and I really enjoyed it, but I couldn't have done it again. Not regularly anyway, but either way. Um, so for anyone that's listening to this, that has got that, you know, the the, the idea about meditation where either it's, you know, a dangerous thing or a scary thing or a woo-woo thing, where would you advise they start? And I suppose the second part of that question, why is it so important? Well, meditation is very much about training your brain to bring you back to the present moment. So, and it, and it's, it, help, it really helps with self-awareness. It helps you tune into your body to know where you're feeling any kind of emotion or discomfort. Um, it's training it to know that not everything is as scary or as worrying as it can be. And if you just allow yourself to, it's all—it's kind of, for me, for med, like meditation is um, you're kind of watching your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, your anything that's going on you're watching it like you're you're watching a television or listening to the radio you're you're viewing it without judgment so any thoughts or feelings you're aware of them you understand where they're coming from and why and if you don't understand where they're coming from and why it's not a problem you just let it do what it needs to do and kind of floats away that that that's how I picture it for myself that's how I picture it not everybody does that so just taking a slight pause in the show to say, first of all, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. It's really appreciated. I love that you guys giving me your time to listen to these shows. Secondly, I just want to tell you a little bit about what's coming up on the Instructor Podcast Premium. First of all, the big thing that's kicking off in November is that I've teamed up with Bob Morton over at Client Centered Learning. And what he's done is given anyone that signs up to the Instructor Podcast a £10 discount. So if you want to sign up to client-centered learning, you can get a £10 discount when you sign up to the Instructor Podcast. So big thanks to Bob there. He sees the value we're putting in over the Instructor Podcast Premium. I see the wonderful job he's doing over at client-centered learning, and uh, it just seems like a really nice team-up. So go check out theinstructorpodcast.com where you will get an exclusive £10 off Bob's training course. But for now, let's get back to the show. It, it's different for everybody and there's lots of different types of meditation you can try which is why there are things like there's the car map headspace app um there will be all kinds of free meditations on youtube and obviously there are lots of mindfulness people that put out mind uh, meditation recordings 
and you just have to keep looking around and experimenting on the different things to decide what it is that works for you. I think you hit the nail on the head there because it's one of those things where I think, because I was guilty of this at first, in that you try it once and if it don't work immediately, you give up and you go, oh, see, that were rubbish, that never works. I think it's one of them things because I must have tried meditation on and off for about, you know, a good few years. And it was only when I found the car map because initially I tried using Headspace and you mentioned previously about voices annoying you. You know, nothing against the guys that do it, but the guys in Headspace annoyed the crap out of me. I could not be relaxed listening to them at all, but I kept going and trying it and failing miserably. And then I found Calm, and I think it was the uh, there's like an American accent on it, which I just found more soothing than than ours. And um, yeah, and, and I went from there. And for, for anyone that oh my God, people will be sick of me saying this on this podcast, but in between every lesson, I take five minutes. You know, get outside at car if it's not raining, and I'll feel the breeze, and I'll sit on bonnet, not like cross like the lean up bonnet. And I'll just sort of semi-meditate, if you like, for five minutes. I just find it, like you said, it brings your focus back to where it needs to be. So it stops me worrying about the previous lesson, allows me to think about what I'm doing now and then get ready for the next one. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think you've hit a nail on the head there. Um, I now want to move on because I want to talk to you a bit about your book you brought out, The Little Book of Self-Love. So. I'm going to throw this to you again. I'd like you to tell us a little bit about the book. Um, I, you know, I've got my copy. I've read it. Um, I will be using it, even though I don't like colouring in, but I will be using it. <laughs> I'll skip that bit. But again, that's me finding what's right for me. Um, so the little book of self-love, what is it and why should people use it? It is what it says on the tin, the little book of self-love. It has a number of um, practices and exercises to try that are very much about self-love and mindfulness. Um, the way I set it up um, is each section is a letter of self-love. So S is for sleep, E is for exercise, um, L is for, I can't remember if it's laughter or love first, F is for friendship, and then L again, laughter or love, whichever comes first, I can't remember the order. O is for observe is I hate the word vacation but um, it's about taking a break and then the last E is about earthing which sounds like a little bit of a woo-woo subject but if you um, try it out it's definitely worth worth a go um, something I've come to rather enjoy um, and when I when I just I've, I've, it's something I've wanted to write for a, for a long time um, but I've always put it on the back burner because I'm kind of like, well, you know, it's just a book and nobody's really going to buy it. And it's really just about something that I want to do because I'm going to have fun doing it. And I know that all of the things in it are actually going to be really helpful to lots of people. It's not a huge compendium of stuff. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There are nine exercises because there's a little bit of bonus material in the back. And then there are things like actual activities within the book, like some colouring, a word search, some, a dot to dot and some spot the differences just to add to the fun. And because my mind and my sense of humour is absolutely disgusting, and I do talk about um there is a lot of innuendo in a lot of my posts because that's who I am. So in this book, if you're um, 
if you're a little bit sensitive to phalluses and um, yonic symbols, which obviously are penises and vulvas, um, then it's really not for you um, because there are a lot of those hidden away in the colouring in the colouring in pages. Um, but I did it because I knew that it would help people. I did it as well because I was being selfish and I wanted to do something for me that I enjoyed because I work for other people a lot of the time. And um, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to do something for me that I'm going to enjoy. And I had great fun putting it together. And I had great fun with G. Sabini Roberts, who did the design for me. And when we were pulling it all together, we were giggling like children (laughs) when we were inserting boobs and cocks and vulvas into different things in the book. I mean, I must admit, um, it come through post a few days ago. And I I always skim read stuff first. So I'm skim reading it, I thought. I didn't expect to see this much cock in my, my little book of self-love. That's, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be about meditation and earthing and, and, you know, self-care. I didn't envisage this much cock, but you know, it's in a playful way. It's, um, but why should people buy this book? Cause I, look, I'll be completely honest. Now I bought the book simply because I like reading what you write um you're in we're in some of the same groups um i'll see a lot of the posts you put up i i enjoy reading your stuff i'm not on social media as much as i'd like to be so i don't see as much of you as i like but as soon as i saw you had a book out it's like yeah i'm buying that um so i i was probably not the you know the best person i recommended it in that sense because i'm buying it because i know the quality you bring but so if you're but if you were selling people why to buy your book what would you say If you have an interest in mindfulness, but it feels a little bit scary and you want to put a bit more self-love into your life, it's just some really simple but powerful exercises that you can work into your daily routine that are not going to take you hours and hours, but will help bring a little more mindful moments and moments of calm into your life it's not there's not loads of woo in it because I'm kind of just getting used to the idea of woo stuff but it's not the kind of stuff I teach um and you can pick and choose what you want to do there are lots of different things in there and what I would say is try one thing first and once you've got used to doing that thing then implement the next thing when you try and put everything in all together it's overwhelming um so it's really just and it's like an introduction to some a very few num very small number of mindfulness exercises there are probably hundreds that you could try but in this particular book there's just a few to get you going I have got other books mapped out that lead on um that will come out at some point um but this is just the initial hello this is an introduction to mindfulness this is an introduction to giving yourself a little bit of love and spending time on being in the present and just being with yourself so for the people that buy this book um like i said it's not like a you know thesaurus size book it's it's a nifty read i would describe it as and it's really good but when they've got this book like you said it's like an introduction where would you advise people go from there? Would you have any suggestions to where to, to venture after that? Well, there are, I mean, there are lots of 
lots of programs and mindfulness programs and things like that. I do work with people. Um, I have very limited time to work with people because being a single mom to five kids, there's very little time during the day while they're at school to do stuff, which is another reason why I created the book because it can help more people with some of the things in it. Um, but I would just start start looking around, start using the internet and seeing what else there is out there that you can try that is going to work for you. Yeah. and. I want to come back to one more thing in your book uh, because you mentioned it, but I'd actually noted it down to ask because I, I think it's it's something I've only really stumbled across recently. I've noticed it again in your book, which was earthing. Um, now, my take on that, and, and you know, tell me if I'm wrong or tell me if it's just a difference or whatever, I don't know, but my take on that is, is almost just getting back to nature uh, and not in the sense of, you know, stripping his clothes or running around the field, but as in just getting outside more and into actual scenic areas rather than, you know, like as an instructor being sat in a car all day or pulling over at Greg's for my lunch rather than, you know, pulling into a, uh, a park somewhere. Um, so just tell me a little bit about more, more, say that again, tell me a little bit about that and if I'm along the right frame of mind there. So, um getting out into nature getting fresh air absolutely is something really important and there's a few um in in this book there are a few instances that suggest that's something that you can try um earthing or grinding is another way of 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 um of it being described is more about having contact with the natural elements so it's removing your shoes and socks and walking across the grass or a sandy beach, or um, use uh, touching the leaves of a tree. It's said that the natural elements of the grass and sand and natural elements of the earth help to neutralise some of the um, negative energy and negative electricity. I'm not sure if it's electricity, but sort of the negative energy that we end up storing up, um, and by having contact with the natural elements of our earth just helps to neutralize that and there are lots there's not a lot of full-on research lots of anecdotal evidence where people who have been highly stressed or highly anxious who've um, performed sort of 10-15 minutes a day of just connecting with grass trees leaves sand are feeling better in themselves by doing that there's no full-on research it's definitely something to, that's worth doing an internet search on earthing or grinding and it explains it really well there are if people there are some people that don't like the idea of walking on grass or sand without shoes on um, but there are things that you can buy like grinding mats that you can put on your bed and you sleep on them and it just helps neutralize the negative energy and it it sounds really really woo um, but having experienced it myself I know that it does work well it's, it's interesting you say that because about two years ago I was having an awful lot of sleep trouble um, and I started changing some stuff and one of the stuff I introduced was what you've described, which was, like I said, there was earthing. And every night, sort of half an hour before I went to bed, I'd just go out into the garden and I'd walk around for 10 minutes, just with not on my feet. And, and yes, I wasn't always keen on walking the, on the grass. I've got this like phobia about standing on a slug, but you know, whatever. Um, 
Now, I'm not saying that was the thing that made my sleep better because I changed a lot of stuff, um, but it definitely had an impact because I'd kind of stopped, forgotten to do it. You know, I'm, I'm thinking back, I can't remember when I last did it. It's one of those little habits I've got out of doing, probably lockdown, actually. Um, and I'm just thinking now, my sleep hasn't been quite as good recently. So I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's <laughs> going to steer me back to go and try that for my sleeping. Um, all right, so bringing this back to driving instructors then. We have, I mean, there's lots of people have stressful jobs, but as, as instructors, we do have stressful jobs at the time. You know, part of this is making sure that people don't crash and die. That's never what we want as instructors. We need to make sure that our learners looked after so they're not stressing about the driving test. We've got the fact that we get assessed. And if if someone sits in back our lesson decides we're not good enough, we can lose our license, all this kind of stuff going on. So what what top tips would you give us to to almost de-stress or stay calm or not be so, so worked up you know what what things can we do to to yeah to action that well earthing is a good one <laughs> <laughs> um just some simple practices like um sitting and, and focusing on your breathing so you don't have to do specific breathing practice but you could sit either in the car or outside the car if you want to enjoy some fresh air as well and just focus on the rise and fall of your stomach. So just breathing normally, not thinking, oh, I've got to breathe in for 10 seconds and out for 10 seconds and all of that, like really focusing, but just focusing on the rise and fall of your, of your stomach. And every time your mind starts to wander and all these thoughts start creeping in, then let the thought, picture the thoughts floating away in a bubble and bring yourself back to the rise and fall of your stomach. That is a really simple meditative and mindfulness practice because what you're doing is focusing on something here and now you're you're making yourself present um and then there are exercises in the book that help with being in the present um or actually trying out some specific breathwork practice um you know counting your breaths you know deciding how many seconds you want to breathe in for hold for out for there's there's box breathing which is your whole is in hold out hold triangle breathing in hold out in hold out and it's deciding and you're just counting for those breaths and it's it's equal it could be like six seconds each six in hold for six out six hold for six um those are just some really simple breath breathing exercises that you can use to bring yourself into the present and the one exercise I find really great actually in the book is the one that I call um stop so that's under observe and so we stop and we pause and then we tune into our body so you can either close your eyes or just focus on a set point and just take a few deep breaths to bring yourself into the moment and just do a body scan so you can scan from your feet up to your head and just pay attention to any discomfort any thoughts and feelings any emotions and then not actually judge them but be aware of them and just observe them and when you finish doing that just carry on with your day and that's something that you can practice a number of times a day or every day of the week, just bringing yourself into the present. So 
couple of a couple of things just to kind of wrap up on there. Um, you were speaking about the we've spoken about meditation and about the way you breathe and, and you know a whole host of stuff around that, including earthing. So you know we've just spoke about walking outside with no shoes on. How that makes a difference. There will be people listening to this because, being completely honest, the driving instructor industry largely is still stuck in the past twenty years ago. So I'm sure a lot of societies, to be fair. So those people listen to that and be like, no, we don't need to change. We don't need to change anything. We've done it this way for 20 years. Why should we do this? All that newfangled nonsense. What do you say to those people? Why not? Why are you so stuck in the past? Why not try something new? Because you never know how it might change your life for the better. I like it. Nice and simple. I am going to throw one addition to that, though, and that's try it twice. Because not everything works first time. Absolutely. I mean, try it a few times and it's, it's really silly, but they say like when you're, when your children are starting to eat foods that um, they have to try something 10 times before they know whether or not they like it. And I think it's the same for all of us. You need to try something more than once. I'd say try it at least 10 times. You may find before 10 times you absolutely know for certain, absolutely know for certain it's not for you. Like for me, running, I absolutely fucking hate running. Um, and sometimes it's something that I have to do in some of my exercise classes and I do it because it's part of the exercise class and it's like whatever. But I know that it is my least favorite exercise and I'm not ever going to take it up as a regular thing. Um, but it is allowing yourself to to try something and deal with the discomfort and that yucky feeling of trying something new and not being good at it. Because the more you do it, the more you practice it, the, be- the better you do get. And the more you come to like things. And there are things, some things you'll never come to like and some things that you think, actually, I'm glad I gave that a go because it's really working for me now. Yes. And while you were saying that, I don't know which part of what you said just triggered a memory, but so much just triggered a memory. And I'm going to take a moment now, sort of live while we're recording this podcast, to, to issue an apology because I owe you an apology because I'm one of those people, I'm a massive advocate that if someone is doing something that you like or says something that you like or something that inspires you, you should tell them. I think that as people, we're really guilty of only ever talking about the stuff that people do that annoys you, not the stuff that inspires you and a while ago you put a post up talking about discipline over motivation and how that was important and it was a longer post than that it wasn't just them but that had a massive impact on me that there was a little period when you said that when I was struggling for motivation and it just clicked you were like I don't need motivation I can just go and do this shit and it worked and I never actually took time to to go and thank you for that so uh, thank you for that but I am now going to ask you to explain slightly. Um, discipline over motivation. I suppose this could tie in for us instructors. I mentioned before about me knocking a couple of lessons. That's different. That's me making a choice for me. But the discipline, a discipline to do the lessons, the discipline to, you know, not let your students go in for a test when they're not ready, the discipline to manage your finances, whatever it might be, the discipline to get healthy and do the meditation between lessons or go and get a thousand steps in rather than having a Greg's pasty or whatever. By that phrase, discipline over meditation, expand on that slightly for me. Discipline over meditation. Not meditation, sorry, motivation. Over motivation. Yes, together at end. Yeah, for me, I think think it was something along the lines of motivation is born out of discipline. 
you are not going to find the motivation until you have been disciplined enough to practice it and practice it and practice it. And once you realize that there are benefits to it, then you get the motivation. And there will always be some days, like there are many days I wake up thinking, I don't really fucking feel like going to the gym today. I'm tired. I'm grumpy. I've got no energy. I just want to go back to bed. But I know that if I go, I will feel infinitely better by going and doing it. So that's having the discipline to go, knowing that it will be of benefit. It's easy to be motivated about something you love doing all of the time, but even something you love doing all the time gets boring. It's having the discipline to say to yourself, I know I need to do this because, and then knowing why you need to do it. Yeah. And you think that also ties in with the self-love side. So you need the discipline to actually take time out for yourself. So the example you just said there about the gym, if you woke up one day and you, how can I phrase this, decided and you knew actually this isn't right today going to the gym, I'm, I'm ill or, you know, my foot hurts or actually what will benefit more today is taking kids out or whatever it might be. Do you think that's part of it, having the discipline to say, no, I'm not going to the gym today in that sense as well? Absolutely. There was, there was a time fairly recently, um, and it's like washing up or housework. Um, it, it's knowing it's knowing what is going to be best for you. And yeah, like you said, if, it, if it's a gym thing, if I've got a serious injury, going to the gym and performing exercises is probably not going to be good for my, my physical or mental health because I'm likely to create more of an injury. So I, do, I would need to take time off. It's the same with I've got a big pile of washing up in my kitchen waiting for me, which I could have done last night. But I decided that after the last week or so of feeling really shit that actually that will wait until today when I finished work and it will be done. It's not going to hurt having an extra day sat on the side. There's nobody here that I need to worry about feeding other than myself. So I like it. I like it. All right. So uh, I'm going to throw sort of one last question at you and it kind of wraps around almost what we'll speak about at the start a little bit, because you spoke about some of the struggles you've had around anxiety and, and, and depression. And a lot of today's youth, you know, the 17, 18, you know, these guys, are they they suffer with that. Uh, A lot of it, you know, can be the social media struggles, whatever. I'm not going into that now. But I get a lot of people coming into me that are scared to get in a car with a stranger. They're they're scared to drive a car because I know what other road users are like. They're scared of the test, not just because they're failing the test, but they're scared of the test because of the peer pressure. You know, their dad passed first time, so why can't I pass first time? Um, I had a student recently whose husband properly kicked off her because she, I mean, this isn't a 17-year-old, this is someone in her 30s, whose husband kicked off her because she'd failed over something simple. You know, and... So with the pressures that the guys have going for test, would you have any advice for us as instructors on how to handle that student or deal with that student or what we can say to them? Does that question make sense? Yeah, I think it's it's really important to understand that other people's reactions to however you perform or however you do is not about you, it's about them. And um, what you have to remember is that you are your own person and it's really important to give yourself the credit for how far you've come. So if, if you fail the test, yeah, it's bloody expensive, um, but you learn 
what the problems were you, you take away from that what it was you failed on so you work on it a little bit more and then you try again it's it's about not allowing people to make you f- to not allowing other people's reactions to make you feel bad about yourself being yeah. confident being it's it's really difficult to be confident in yourself and to, to give yourself enough love and value to know that you've done your best whatever happens you've done your best yeah i think that that's that's spot on um so um i've really appreciated you coming on today i I love the honesty and openness um you told us the the stuff you overcome and not only that how you overcome it and give us some wonderful words of wisdom so i'd like you to take a moment to tell us where people can find you and is there anything you'd like to promote or anything you'd like to tell people about? Well, yes, I'd like to tell people about my book, The Little Book of Self-Love, Wellbeing Without the Wank Guide to Keeping Your Calm in a Fucked Up World. <laughs> you can find it on Amazon. It is a bit of a bugger to find at the moment. I'm talking to KDP about why it's not very searchable. Um, my name sometimes comes up and sometimes it doesn't. But if you visit my Facebook page, which is Wellbeing Without the Wank, there is a link directly to Amazon to help you find that. The same with my Instagram page, which is Wellbeing Without Wank. Um, Again, there's a link in my bio to take you directly to Amazon to buy it. (laughs) Um, Yes, so that's, that's how you can get in contact with me, Facebook, Instagram. I do have a website. It's a very simple one page thing at the moment because I'm very slowly building it out and it's it's emmamella.com but you won't find that you can sign up to my newsletter um so I I will like send you the odd email like buy my book have you bought my book yet (laughs) I won't really (laughs) I won't bombard you with it um i will put all those links in the show notes uh you can also find them i'll put a link to your book uh the if i get an amazon link i'll put that in the show notes as well uh also if you head over to the instructorpodcast.com uh, there'll be a guest profile for everyone there at some point over the next week or so and i'll put all the links to all your stuff in there as well so people can find you directly there uh, anything else you would like to take a moment to promote any other services you offer before we, we look at wrapping up no, I, I'm not. I'm not greatly promoting my one-to-one services at the moment because I'm actually I'm studying hypnotherapy, which is something that I'm going to be adding to my my repertoire. And uh, the more clients I take on, the less time I have for for the study. So the longer it's taking. So if people come to me and really really want to work with me, I'm taking them on. But for the most part, I'm concentrating on the clients I've got for now, and really trying to get through my hypnotherapy study. Awesome. Well, um, we'll get you back on when you've you've passed your hypnotherapy studies and you can tell us all about that. <laughs> Wonderful. Excellent. Uh, and the last thing I like to ask people is I'd like to uh, I'd like it if you could leave us with a little book recommendation to, to go away and read. Yeah, um my PT at the gym recently lent me this book called I Know My Name, and it's by CJ Cook. Uh, it's a fiction book. I love reading fiction. I'm not so fond of nonfiction. I tend to listen to those ones on Audible, but I like to read fiction. And it's about a woman who wakes up with amnesia 
and uh, it's a. Re- I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to give away the story, but it was absolutely compelling. And it normally takes me a month or two months to get through a book. And I think I got through this in just over a week. Had a few na- late nights reading it because I just wanted to keep reading and find out what was going to happen. <laughs> Brilliant. I'll add that to the list. And uh, when all these shows are finished for this season, I'm going to compile like a big book list for it and put it on Goodreads or somewhere. But but no, really appreciate it giving up your time to talk today. And uh, I fully enjoyed it. And thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. So you are clearly still listening to the Instructor Podcast, so uh, well done for being wise enough to hang about, because uh, I'm still joined by the wonderful Emma Meller. Uh, Appreciate you giving us a few more minutes of your time. No problem. Are you ready for the seven ever-so-daunting quickfire questions? (laughs) Go ahead. Okay, first one, dog or cat? Both. I've got both. I have a dog and two cats. Well, you've been a wonderful guest, so I'll let you have both. I wouldn't normally let that happen. Uh, your favourite book of all time? Um, it used to be Rose Madder, but I think the new one has to be I Know My Name that I recently read. I adore Rose Madder, so if it's better than that, I'm definitely going to put it on my list. Um, would you ever consider going vegan? I have considered it. The thought of not eating meat absolutely terrifies me because I am very much a meat eater. Fair enough. Uh, what's your favourite film of all time? Oh, it's got to be the Pitch Perfect films. I absolutely love them. Slightly gone down in my estimation. <laughs> um, all right, so you are not a driving instructor, but let's pretend for a moment you are a driving instructor. What would you refer to your students as? Would you call them students, learners, customers, pupils, clients? What do you reckon you call them? Students. Students. What's your proudest achievement in life? Hmm leaving an abusive relationship and going it alone and lastly give me one goal you'd like to achieve going forward eventually I would really love to get to own my house I have been a a homeowner in the past but I now live in a council house and eventually I'd like to be earning enough money that I could actually purchase my own property again awesome smashing goal Uh, thank you for hanging about for an extra few minutes for us sir no problem